Uh, Let's go to God in prayer as we open up our time together. God, we thank you for this day, uh, for this time that we have to share together. Uh, For the camaraderie that we have amongst believers, amongst brothers and sisters, united by the blood of your Son and our Savior. We are grateful for the calling that we have been, been given as your people, as people who are called, who are united by your purpose, bonded together by the blood of your Son, dwelling in the spirit of unity that comes through you. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for the, the moments where we can open up your word, and we do so with such freedom and with such ease and without fear. There are many in this world who don't have such freedoms. May we not take those for granted. We pray that we would be still in the next moments as we open your word, that you would work within us, that you would reshape us, that you would transform us into the creations that you've called us to be, into the people that you've asked us to be. And that as we leave this place, we will not leave those things here, but we will take them with us into the world, that we will continue to seek your Spirit's guidance, that we would follow where you lead, we would listen where you prompt us, that we would be wise and we would be bold and we would be courageous as we strive to affect a generation for the cause of your Son, Jesus. We ask these things in his name. Amen. So we just finished a series on, uh, I believe, as we talked about the different elements of Christianity and the things that we believe. I had kind of a crazy week, but this week those will be all up online. They'll be available for you to listen to and share as as you see fit or as you have cause to. I hope that those are a tool for us to to maybe inspire those who may be questioning what is the church, Um, that those give a good synopsis of the very basic tenets of Christianity, of what it means to be the church. Uh, and, and for the next four weeks, I want to look at the church. Uh, we're going to look at a series called Rethinking the Church. And uh, look, I'm not, I'm not paving the way here to make some radical change. All I'm asking you to do is take a mindset shift because I think it's time for us to rethink what it means, what it means to be mission-minded. What is the mission of the local church? Because it's easy to kind of fall into the habit of church is just that thing we do on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night if you're really pious and and you really kind of make that time. Church is the thing that we do where we come together and we take the Lord's Supper. It's more than just attendance. It's more than just giving in the offering. It's more than just being here and being a part of this gathering once or twice or three times a week. But the church as a whole is meant to care for one another, to grow together, to be challenged together, to reach the world together. And so we're going to highlight here over the next four weeks the very important responsibilities that you and I have to the local gathering of God's people to the body that meets here and and we're going to start today as we talk about fellowship and we're going to begin with this thought the church is a body 
of connected parts working together. That it is about togetherness, and and without togetherness, the church really doesn't function well if it functions at all. And you think uh, that Paul uses the body here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you think about the way the body works, right? Your, Your brain sends an electrical impulse to a muscle, and a muscle receives that impulse and, and makes a contraction, and that contraction pulls on a ligament which grabs on a bone, or maybe it's a tendon. I'm not sure which is which. But they're both necessary whether you're pushing or pulling, right? And everything works together, and look, all it takes is one little part of that whole series to be messed up, and push goes to pull, and pull goes to push, and all kinds of funky things happen. Everything has to work together. And, and there are certain parts of the body that we often think are indispensable. Um, Jody is going through something right now that I went through when I was in high school, and that is the damage of a big toe. How often in a day do you think about your big toe? Not very often. I remember when I was working, this, this man I was working with, he didn't speak good English. We were lowering down this wheelbarrow out of a truck that had been used to pour concrete. And so a wheelbarrow that should have weighed 5 pounds weighed about 55 pounds. And I said, you got it? He said, yes. I pulled it out, and he didn't have it. And it went right down on my foot. And I lost my big toenail when I broke my toe, and when it grew in, it grew in ingrown. And look, you got an ingrown toenail, your whole body hurts. Why? Because you change the way you walk, you change the way you stand, you change, you change everything. And then it starts to hurt your calf, and it starts to hurt your back, and even you start to feel it in your shoulders, because that one part of your body that you don't ever think about is messed up. You see, the, the church is about a whole host of parts working together and some of them we think about frequently and some of them we don't think about at all but if the church is not working together if there is no togetherness we're not functioning the functioning the way that we've been designed to function first corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 We read the first of it a moment ago, and let's read through this section. He says, For the body, for as the body is one, has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit, and so the body is not one part, but many. And if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong... In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong. In spite of this, it is still belonging to the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he desired. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts. Yet one body. And here's where he gets to it. He says, so the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe these with great honor. And our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving great honor to the less honorable, and so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other, but that the members would have the same concern 
for each other. So if one suffers, all suffer. And if one is honored, all rejoice. Now you are the body of Christ. And individual members of it, and God has placed these in the church. First apostles and prophets, then teachers. Next miracles and gifts of healing and helping and managing various kinds of languages. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in languages? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts. And then Paul sets up one of the great chapters of the Bible by saying this. And I will show you an even better way. And then he describes what it is to love. If you look at verse 1226, 1226 highlights this need for community. This need for togetherness, this need for fellowship within the body of Christ. This idea that even though we all have different things and different ways of, of being able, different gifts and different talents and different abilities, we have one thing in common. We have the same goal. We should have the same mission. We should have the same mind, and that is the mind of Christ. That we're moving in that same direction. And that along the way, we, we look out for one another. We care for one another as we move forward. Look, if I'm on a trip, and I'm taking my family with me, and we stop at Bucky's. It's easy to get lost in Bucky's. If I get in the car and somebody's missing, I'm not going, right? Even though we've got somewhere to go and we all want to get there, we bring one another along. Heather and I used to take 30 or 40 kids to places when we were working in Kansas City. I had a checklist, all right? It was I'm not super organized at a lot of things, but when it came to dealing with other people's kids, I was. I knew who was in what van and what seat, and every time we stopped, I was like, if you don't have a checkbox behind your name, we aren't going anywhere until I'm all checked. Because you've got to make sure that the people that you're bringing along with you are still along with you everywhere along the way. We care for one another. Because we are community. And our community is about fellowship. but we've got to rethink our motives. All right, we've got to rethink our motives if we really and truly want genuine love to thrive in the church. Because frequently what we have is a form of love, but it's not the kind of love that God calls us to. It's the kind of love that appears right on the surface, but when you dig down deep, I really don't think the best of you, and you really don't think the best of me. Because we act like we're living in competition with one another instead of in community. And we have this notion that if we disagree with one another, then one of us has to be right and the other one has to be wrong. And we can't get along until you know that I'm right and you are wrong. Because we come to some of these conversations with a mindset that doesn't expect the best or think the best of those that we are engaging 
We have this mindset that maybe thinks they're out to get us. Or they want to tear us down. But the truth is, when you and I come to a conversation with one another, it is my obligation as a child of God to realize that you also are a child of God. And to know and understand that in your heart of hearts, you want one thing and one thing only, and that is to make sure that God is glorified in your life. And I expect that of you. And I look at people through the church all over, and they disagree, and they disagree in ways that aren't exhibiting the love of God or the way of Christ. They aren't presenting a testimony of what it means to be children of God together. See, we are a community, and we've forgotten how to give one another the benefit of the doubt when we find ourselves in those situations. That we in the church are good-hearted, God-loving people who want the best for our own lives, for our own family, for the church, and more than that, striving every day to do God's will. And you know what? If I can see people through those eyes, day in and day out, it completely changes the way we process things that go on. When my wife says something that offends me, I get to choose how I'm going to respond to that. I get to decide, well, she's out to get me, and she's out to make me look like a fool, and she's out to make me feel like a child, and I can respond with that mind, or I can say, you know what, this woman loves me. She's proven it over and over again because she's had plenty of opportunities to kick rocks on this relationship, but she stayed. She's proven to me that she loves God and that she loves me. I'm going to choose to not be offended by that statement and just let it go because I know know her heart. The same is true in the church. You may do or say something that maybe offends me or hurts my feelings a little bit. I can either assume that you're out to get me or assume that you didn't mean what I thought you meant. If we are a church living in fellowship, living in community, I know that about you and you know that about me. It's about how we move together. Church is a place of community, not competition. Not competition. been watching the NBA Finals. Even though my Thunder are out of it, I got no more dog in the fight. I didn't really expect them to be in it very long anyway, but I hoped they would make it at least past the first round, but they didn't. And so now, the only reason I'm watching is to watch and hope that Kevin Durant fails, because he hurt us in Oklahoma City years ago. But you know what? He just doesn't, he just won't fail. He's not cooperating. He keeps hitting shots, and he keeps making plays. And even though Golden State lost last night, Houston got the edge, Kevin Durant still played a great ball game. What a foolish way to watch basketball, hoping somebody fails. Instead of watching and hoping someone else succeeds. Right, right, but in sports, that's what it's about. Because because if you do worse, then I am propped up. 
The man that won the Kentucky, the horse that won the Kentucky Derby won it by default, right? Because he made a protest. Because this horse didn't do right. He couldn't win the race. So he made a little protest. And you know what? The other jockey was in the wrong. They came back and now this guy wins because somebody else did something wrong. I said, that's not how I want to win. I want to do the right thing. I don't want to be better because you're doing worse. I don't want to feel better about myself because my brothers and sisters are failing. No, I want us all to get together. We want, we want the best for each other. And koinonia, fellowship, is about this thing that we have in common. Now, there are all kinds of things in this world that divide. There are all kinds of things in this world that segregate, but the blood of Christ covers them all, destroys all of the barriers and all of the things that stand between us. And that, brothers and sisters, that children of God is the message that we have to proclaim to the world. It's that we exist in a culture that divides and tears down and destroys. But I know a God, I know a Savior that unites and restores and builds up. And the life may not always be easy, but it's always worth it. Koinonia, fellowship, this commonness. There is something that binds us, that bonds us together, where it is about living or about money or about owning something or about working or even about falling. Whatever it is that happens amongst us, we do it together. And when you fall down, we fall down together. And when you do well, we do well together. Whatever happens, happens to us as, as a body, and it affects us all. And this is what we often don't understand about our relationship with God, is that we believe oftentimes, because we've bought into what our culture says, that your relationship with God is between you and God, and it doesn't matter what else. I've told you about my friend whose religious views are, I love me some Jesus. That's about as deeply as he thinks about Jesus. And he doesn't care what my views are. He doesn't care what anybody else's views are. He doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to know anything about it. He said, the only thing that matters is what I believe about Jesus, and that really doesn't affect the way that I deal with you. And that's just not true. Because the relationship we have with God makes this whole host of secondary relationships necessary. That I really can't have a relationship with God without having a relationship with you. That being in relationship with God is about being a part of the body. He says, if you are of the body of Christ, this is who you are. And this is where you find yourself. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and verse 5, if you want to look over there really quickly. Uh, Paul says this to the church in Corinth. He says, And not just us we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves especially to the Lord, and then to us by God's will. You see, first they gave themselves to the Lord, and then by extension, after they had given themselves to the Lord, it was almost required that they then give themselves to the apostles. Because when we find ourselves in relationship with God, we do so because we have come to relationship through the body as well that we 
as the people of God are a part of the body. And, and many times we don't realize how important this relationship is. That it necessitates these other relationships that Christ establishes between us and his body, that is the church. That if we are in Christ, we are a part of the body. And if you are a part of the body, you can't exercise, excise yourself from it. Because if you take yourself out of the body, how can you say you're a part of the body? How can you say you're a part of the body but refuse to have fellowship? But are just content to stay way out there, unapologetic, unaware of what's going on in the lives of the people we are called to be in community with. And God doesn't mean for these relationships to be these kinds that we pick and choose at our whim. Just like you can't pick your family, you can't pick who's in a church. <laughs> you can't choose family. Because family is family because we are bound by blood. And the church is the church because we are bound by by blood. And we don't get to decide who we're going to live in community with and who we are not. The fact is, we are the body of Christ. This is why Jesus focuses so much on unity in his teaching. It's why Paul focuses so much on it as he talks about it in Ephesians and he talks about the power of the church to show the, the God's wisdom to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. And he talks about it here in Corinthians. That is because a united church is so much stronger than a community of Christians living independent of one another. Uh, James, you want to come on up here? I've got a little exercise for you. He has no idea what's really coming at him. but um, You see it in sports teams, right? Sometimes a quarterback can look so foolish because a receiver didn't do the right thing. He's supposed to cut underneath a D-back instead of over top of a D-back, and all of a sudden it looks like the, the quarterback is throwing a perfect pass to that corner that's just sitting there waiting because one guy didn't do his job. We can have individuals doing their own thing, and, and they might be successful in some cases and might be successful in others, uh, but generally speaking, they're not going to do a whole lot. James, I'm going to throw some rubber bands at you, okay? Because these little things, don't catch them. I'm just kidding. You catch them if you want to. These are easy to catch, right? Individual Christians, like, kind of rolling there, doing their own thing. And I could sit here and I could throw these whole things. Does that hurt? Am I doing anything to you? I might can make them a, a little bit better if I would rear back and kind of snap them. It might sting for a little bit. But these things right here aren't going to do a, a, a hill of beans. They're not making a difference at all in where he stands and what he does. I don't want to make too big of a mess because I've got to clean it up later. But, you know, this is the way the church is unified, generally. But this is just a whole bunch of individual Christians who look unified because that right there still didn't do anything to them. It didn't make him move. It didn't make, I've got one more bag for you, James, okay? I've got one more bag of rubber bands. This is a bag of rubber bands that's united by a common core. Now, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. That's good. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. 
You see, when the church is united with a common goal and a common mission and a common focus, when the church decides to meet one another, as we talked about last week in the shadow of the cross, you can affect change. Because we are not individual Christians all out doing our own thing. And we're not even individual Christians that have this semblance of unity, but have no effect when they go out into the world. Even though we can convince ourselves that that's unity. Because we're in this nice, neat package. And when we go, we go together, but we're not really united. Because there's no power. Because we've fooled ourselves into thinking that we know what unity is and we've forgotten how to sacrifice. We've forgotten how to really and truly realize what it means to stand in the shadow of the cross. To give myself up for the sake of the gospel. To surrender that which I have a right to so that the kingdom may be advanced. Until we get to the point where we can understand what true unity means, we're going to keep trying to affect the culture and the world in very ineffective ways or not effective at all. The gospel is powerful. And when we will agree to meet at the cross and be united in the way that God has called us to be united, we can affect change. We can be people that will bring about the change the gospel has to offer. A friend of mine, uh, Brandon Edwards, the preacher in uh, Arkansas. He said uh, these words this week. The uncreative mind can spot wrong answers, but it takes a creative mind to spot wrong questions. When we as a church realize that we are constantly answering questions that no one is asking, then we will finally start hearing what the world really needs. Hope, faith, love, restoration, redemption. What the world doesn't need is a lesson in morality before it ever even comes to an understanding of God, how great He is and why He is worthy of our praise and adoration and obedience. It's time to start, stop putting the cart before the horse, preach God to a lost and dying world, and then let Him do the changing. We won't get there until we decide to meet one another in the shadow of the cross. The the church is a place where everyone belongs. That doesn't mean that everyone is comfortable, but it means that everyone belongs. Everyone is welcome to come and listen what the Spirit says through the church. 
Because the Spirit of God works through you, it works through me, but it works powerfully through us. May we be the community, the body of Christ this week. A powerful testimony to the grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus.